love coach. Let's find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Now, some of you may have heard of a profession called cuddling or of a professional called a cuddleist. There's several different definitions and explanations, but I found a cuddleist. Actually, she she has a different term for it. We're going to discuss that too. But I thought it'd be interesting to have her on the show and let her explain to you what it is, what she does, how she does it, how you become a cuddleist, and how it can benefit your relationship, and all of the interesting things about it. So, Jasmine, it's great to have you with me today. Yes, hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. You know, I've been wanting to have a cuddleist on, and I, I love the term cuddleist. It just, it's, it just, mm. it feels like you're getting a hug. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's what they do. That's what I know. Do. I, I know. I, you know, cuddling didn't sound. I, I said, I, I don't like that. But cuddleist, I like that. Like I said, it just, mm. it just sounds like a hug. So, mm-hmm. so tell us, tell us a bit about. How you got into this? How in the world did you get into being a, a cuddlist? And I'm going to let you explain more about what you call it and why and all that. But but tell mm-hmm. us a bit about the whole how you got into this because I'm sure I'm when you were a, a girl in elementary school, you didn't say I'm going to be a cuddlist when I grow up. <laughs> no, no, I definitely didn't. I said I wanted to be an environmentalist <laughs> when I grow up. Um, you know, I, I spent 20 years in construction um, from starting in college uh, as a student assistant working for the California EPA uh, since I was studying environmental science. And throughout my time in construction, I don't know if you've ever known anybody who has owned a construction company, but, I you know, I started there. You did? Um, and by the time I ended, I had my own electrical contracting company. Um, oh. It was mine. I was a sole proprietor uh, doing commercial work. So I was working in buildings down in D.C. a lot, uh, working in malls, doing just all sorts of stuff. But the big thing is I didn't have enough support around me. I was trying to do it all. I was also or I also am a single mother of three, and uh, all of my family, I'm in D.C., but all of my family and a lot of my support system was, is in uh, California, which is where I'm from. Right. When I was working, I, um, you know, I had separated from my ex-husband, my children's father, and I was still trying to live a certain life that I was used to, and continuing to work as much as I was. I had a live-in nanny who was pretty much taking care of us here in the house, taking care of the kids, um, taking care of me, and pushing so hard, trying to still show up for my children, be the Cub Scout den mom, be the classroom parent, while running these large commercial projects, I was um, burning, burning the candle at both ends. I was having uh, anxiety attacks 
sudden bouts of, of crying. I would want to turn off. I was drinking excessively, uh, drinking alcohol, obviously. Yeah. And these were things that were happening to me, and I, I wasn't handling it. I had gone to therapy for about a year after my ex and I split, uh, but then I kind of stopped and just threw myself into work. I was reading, this was probably in 2016, I was reading in a, an article in Huffington Post about professional cuddling. And I was like, what is this professional <laughs> cuddling? And so I just started doing research because I was wondering what it was and the way, what I was reading um, from the cuddler's perspective of their experience it just sounded really beautiful and something I wanted to try. So I hired a cuddler, and it was exactly that, a really beautiful, uh, loving, nurturing experience, and I started doing it myself. I think unbeknownst to me, I, although I wasn't directly trying to heal from my own traumas and the trauma of or grieving my, the loss of my, my marriage and the, the family, how it was now split. Um, but in some way, I was helping other people. And in that sense, I was healing myself as I was learning. You know, I was reading everything I could get my hands on about touch. There, and there wasn't much out there in 2016, meaning there wasn't a lot of information about professional cuddling. Or right. There was a little bit of, of uh, there's a few articles here and there. I found uh, Dr. Tiffany Field out of the Miami, I believe. She's in the, at the uh, U- University of Miami and reached out to her to see what information she had. The majority of her research is, yes, around mother-child touch and also massage touch. And so she sent right. me a few articles that she wrote, which were really helpful, but um, still, you know, I was just so curious of what was happening. And I didn't know anybody. So the only people I ever told that I was doing this work was um, my partner at the time and my BFF. The two of them knew. Nobody else. I was still in the proverbial cuddle closet. Right. I eventually came across Cuddle Sanctuary's website um, as I was listing myself on cuddlecomfort.com. It's kind of like a a community of cuddle enthusiasts and professional cuddlers. And so a lot of people will go there. They have forums. You can talk to other uh, touch enthusiasts. Um, but I, I came across Cuddle Sanctuary's website, Jean Fasbro, and I was reading up on it, and I saw that she had a three-day intensive um, certification, cuddle certification, or professional cuddler certification. And so I reached out to her and I asked for more information. And when I talked to her, I knew immediately that this was it. This, is, this person had the same perspective and the same view that I had. Now, by this time, it was 2018, so I had already been doing this for a year and a half. There was a little bit of arrogance in me that thought, what's this person? You know, what are these people going to teach me that I already don't know? <laughs> but, really, <laughs> but really what it was was finding other people who were doing the work and feeling that camaraderie. There were people who had uh, practices that were um, charging money to cuddle. Uh, There were people within the training program that just wanted to learn how to touch their family members. 
um, how to touch their ailing parents who were seniors, how to uh, have a better understanding of touch for themselves. And so it was really a beautiful experience. You know, I learned how to create the anatomy of a session from beginning, middle to end. I learned uh, some really beautiful positions that I still use and implement in sessions. And so that was the start of it. And now as soon as I got on the airplane while we were waiting to take off is when I, I put it out there on Facebook to tell my network and my my friends and family that I am a professional cuddler and I just had the most wonderful experience. And by the time I flew across the country and landed in D.C., uh, I had a mix of responses, <laughs> to say the least. There was a mix of responses, yeah. Yeah, that was so. kind of like uh, coming out as a love coach. You're off. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a lot of stop. What are you doing? Just stop this BS and go back to construction. But at the same time, people didn't know. They looked at me and they thought, she's doing it all. She's got it all. Look at her go. You know, mom running this construction company, you know, a woman in a, dominated, in a male-dominated industry, killing it. Right. Right. Well, yeah, I was, but it came at a cost. And that yeah. was my well-being and my mental uh, health. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that was something that I had the issue with family, too, because I, well, I, I was in, well, we, we did more home improvements, but in, in working in multi-million dollar houses, and and people never gave any consideration for what it was doing to me mentally and physically, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's it's like you, you don't understand that when I left, I was what I was doing. I loved what I was doing when I left, you know. Mm-hmm. It was I I basically any any night when I knew I had to go to work the next day, I wasn't getting any sleep. Because I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I have to go to work tomorrow, you know. But then the nights when I knew I was off the next day and I was going to get to do the work I enjoyed the next, because I, I worked the days I was off, but doing work I enjoyed, you know. Those mm-hmm. nights I slept great. You know, I'm like, do we see a yeah. pattern? You know, of course they do. <laughs> you know, but right. um, yeah, yeah, I totally. Yeah, understand. and it was. It's really interesting. It's it's. You're right. I love construction. Uh, I often tell people I love commercial construction more than residential. It's more, I think it is a very sexy kind of industry. Uh, You're working with, and people laugh when I say that, but you're working with so many different types of companies and trades. You're not only working with, say, the plumber and the drywaller, but you're also working with the engineers and the architects and the general contractor. Mm -hmm. And everything is, you know, moving at such a pace and a schedule. You have to be on top of everything. And if you buy a large lighting package that you have to keep in a warehouse, you take on that risk of paying the bill and waiting to get paid maybe 90, 120 days later. So there's um, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of risk. And, you know, I, I continue. Pardon me? There, there's a lot of coordinating and there's a lot of deadlines and mm-hmm. and you know I, oh, yeah. I and I enjoyed the the negotiating and the you know mm-hmm. you go ahead and well and you got to admit being a woman you did have an advantage over the guys because when you needed mm-hmm. something and they were out of something and there's there's eight guys behind you and they all need something I got it 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> if I went in to rent something and there was one of something, I mean, nine times out of ten, I got it, you know. And, right. and all I had to do was ask, you know. So, I mean, my brother just knew. He didn't even get on the phone to ask for it. I just did because I got it. You, you did. Simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and then he realized that when I left, he had to try again, and nine times out of ten, he didn't get it, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. I'll <laughs> just send you. You were on the wasn't there anymore, you know. But, <laughs> you know, but it, was, it was fun negotiating for things and working out things and mm-hmm. figuring out ways to make things work and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, I, I enjoy that. Yeah. I, and well, and, yeah. and and taking the pile of materials and seeing it sit there and be delivered, and then coming back and it's done, you know. And, and you went through from mm-hmm. a pile of stuff to a building, or you know, a, a newly renovated kitchen, or or whatever it is. Yeah. I love that, yeah. you know. Yeah, but it was very exciting. It's and it's very different than what you do now and what I do now. <laughs> I mean, we're talking left and right brains. <laughs> Completely different. Definitely. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, miss and over guys on Monday morning. Don't miss that at all. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. But, I, but course, essentially that's... But, sorry, go ahead. I'll tell you what I did, though. Instead of paying them on Friday, I paid them on Monday afternoon. And if they didn't show mm. up for work on Monday, they didn't get paid on Monday so I, you know, <laughs> that's that one way to do it. <laughs> that resolved. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, but we could we could definitely trade construction stories all day. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But now there are. I want to I want to get this out of the way now because I know some people listening have heard the misconceptions about cuddling and cuddlist. Are there mm-hmm. are there a few that we can just kind of get out of the way so we we get that done so we can get on to the fun part of the conversations? Uh, between cuddling and cuddleless, I'm sorry, I don't understand the well, question. Well, there's there's some misconceptions because there are people claiming to be cuddlers that are doing it with, shall we say. Uh, that that aren't qualified, that don't know what they're doing. Mm, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so yeah. Cuddlist is a company that certifies, they have an online go-at-your-own-pace uh, theoretical certification process. And it's really great. I usually tell anybody who uh, wants to become a cuddler to first, before they jump into charging people to hug, go to Cuddlist, take their online certification program, because it will really help them start to think about what their boundaries are, what it means uh, to give and ask for consent, the different types of boundaries. Uh, They also, Cuddlist offers a Club Cuddlist, which is their Facebook group. You have to have gone through the certification to, I believe, to be, um, one, to be listed on their website, because they do list all of their their um, clients that certify or their, I don't know what they call them, I guess their cuddlers that go through their certification, they'll list them on their website. 
and you also get access to their, their club cuddles, which is a great support system where you can go into this Facebook group and just if you're presented with a difficult situation or you don't know how much to tar- charge or whatever it might be, uh, you can go in there and ask the question and other people, it's like a group forum and other people will chime in. So Cuddleist is a great, great place to start. I, um, I'm, I believe that it is very important whenever you do any kind of body work or somatic work that it should and at all when possible be done in person um, so you can actually get your hands on somebody. Um, which is what, what I did with the cuddlist or the cuddler, what was it, uh, with Jean Fazbro's Cuddle Sanctuary. So I think it was on the last day they brought in clients for us to um, have a session with, a one-hour session. And so that was great. Um, but I usually tell people there's also, I think, Sam Hess. Now, I could be wrong on this, but I believe Sam Hess might have an in-person um, I don't know if they're still doing it or if they closed because of um, because of COVID, but I know they did have a certification, um, Jean, an in-person certification. Jean Fazbro with Cuddle Sanctuary obviously has hers, her certification, uh, and then I'm releasing my certification uh, in person. It's actually a hybrid of virtual and live virtual and uh, in person. Um, a 100-hour course, which I think is really setting people up for success. One, because they're going to learn about all the theoretical stuff, objective or rigid boundaries, subjective, flexible boundaries, uh, the anatomy of a session, um, holding space, everything that goes along with it, and then also the business side. Because nobody who's getting certified as a cuddler is going to go get hired by somebody. You essentially are going to be an entrepreneur. You're going to be a business owner. Uh, and so you have to learn how to be a business owner, how to market yourself, how to network, how to develop relationships with therapists or doctors or you know, life coaches, love coaches like yourself. Um, right. And so that's a big portion that I think is missed on a lot of the massage therapy schools and um, you know, hypnosis therapy schools, and any of those that they miss teaching people how to run a business. And so that's one thing that I'm making sure I add. But essentially, a professional cuddler is someone who charges money or barters to cuddle another person. And so you can be on one of these websites, such as Cuddle Comfort. I think there's another one called Cuddle Companions. Um, there was Cuddle Connect, but they've closed down since the pandemic. And you can go on there and sell your, your services to cuddle people. Um, then you can also be on the platforms like Cuddleist and Cuddle Sanctuary where they certify you, and then you can be on their website, and they'll promote you that way. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Now, why, why is cuddling important? And not, not to... Be, be divisive, but why is it important mm-hmm. to women and why is it important to men? And that, that question actually that is, came from a listener. That is really important. Uh, that's a really great question, actually. Um, so cuddling is so specific. I, as you know, I use the term platonic touch uh, yes. because, because of the association. Cuddling 
can turn a lot of people off. I mean, let me rephrase this. The word cuddle can turn people off who aren't already open to it. Um, so as far as any kind of uh, networking or marketing I do, it, I have found that even when I'm doing uh, speaking engagements at uh, different facilities or at schools and classes, using the word platonic touch makes it more digestible for people. Because when we say the word cuddle, for, the most, for most people, it's either a prelude or a postlude to sex, right? And right. that's how their association is with cuddling. It's you cuddle after you have sex or maybe heavy petting and cuddling. Um, and so I remove that. I think touch, two-way touch, is what's incredibly important. Now, we spoke briefly about how the majority of my clientele I would say 90% are men and 10% are women. I couldn't tell you. I have my, my guesses, <laughs> my assumptions on why there are more men who come for these services than women. And one is that men don't get touch or there's not a safe space where they can ask to be held and nurtured without being judged for it. Um, and I've said that a lot of my female friends, when I talk about it, they say they could never do this because they would be assaulted in some way. And I think there might be something to that. The perspective that women have around touch uh, were perpetually grabbed at. When I was in high school, guys would always slap my butt, and I hated it. And of course, I would vocalize that, and I became, you know, uh, I don't know if I can say bad words, but, you know, yeah. a B word. <laughs> You can. <laughs> I can. I would suddenly get the label of being a bitch or being uptight. Um, but still, there are a lot of, even now I, I have friends, there are a lot of people that are or women who are touched and they don't say anything because they don't want that to be called uptight or, you know, full of themselves or be labeled as negative for not wanting that kind of touch. And I think there's some associate or there's some, maybe trauma from that for a lot of women. Well, I mean, what are your thoughts? I, I think it, men don't grasp that we don't want to be grabbed at, you know. Mm -hmm. that's, that's not an appealing touch, you know. And, well, I'm, so many people, it, there are different sorts of touch, and some are so much more enjoyable and appealing than other touches. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, but, I mean, we, we don't learn that. We don't learn the sort of touch people enjoy. And I, I think that's just one of the many, 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 many things that we don't learn about relationships. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, it'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it would certainly you know, help. One of, yes. Yeah, it would. One of the things, I mean, learning about touch, positive touch, one of the things that I typically ask my clients are what are their, their what's their touch history? I used to say, what's your association with touch? But I've learned to kind of narrow it down. Actually, I've worked with... Um, uh, David Palmer, who is the father of the chair, chair massage, and he's my mentor as well. And he's been doing massage since uh, the late 70s is when he first started. 
Um, and so to see from his perspective, to see the professional touch movement as it's now becoming going into professional cuddling and other, other types of touch. Um, I usually ask people what their, their influences are culturally. You know, I'm Mexican. Uh, my mother's from Mexico. And so growing up, we're, we're a very affectionate people. She was always loving us and, you know, putting her hands through our hair and just kind of touching us. It was always really positive and loving, nurturing. Uh, genetic you know, the, how we experience touch, a uh, larger hand to a smaller hand. Um, the receptors within our fingers are, you know, the bigger your hand is, the further apart the receptors are. Also familial, how was your family? How did you touch within the family? Was it taboo? Was, you know, like my ex-husband's family, um, they were not a very touchy-feely people. Um, and I, you know, I think that's just how his family was. And then individually, their individual experience, like I said, at, in high school, guys would smack my bottom. That was my individual experience. And so as I go through this list and I ask clients, you know, what, consider these experiences that you've had around touch and can you talk to me about them? It's usually really helpful for them to start understanding uh, or really considering how touch has influenced their life and the exposure to touch that they've, they've had. So positive touch, negative touch, taboo touch. Right. Well, and, and even things that they were told was taboo mm-hmm. that they may not associate consciously as being an issue. You know, I mean, we've... <laughs> Just just went through a whole lot of that working with Susan on the book, you know, because we've been oh, talking yeah. about touch, you know, and, and it impacts you in a lot of ways and you, you don't really think about it until you sit down and talk to somebody in an intake like you're talking about and like, oh, yeah, wait a minute, you know. Um, but, in, in, you know, the funny thing is we we each just have ways that we think about touch and you know in a relationship or even dating when we we use that sort of touch with a partner and it may not be the kind of touch that they're used to or the kind of touch that they enjoy mm-hmm. and it may never be talked about right so is that something mm-hmm. that, that you talk to clients about? Yeah. Yeah, we definitely talk about um, the different types of touch. Yeah. Okay. What, what sorts of touch do you talk about? Um, it really depends. It, what, it really depends on, you know, their experiences. So let me give you an example. I, because I'm in D.C., I see a lot of military and law enforcement. I have a lot of clients who come in who've done the four tours in Afghanistan, and now they work either as police officers or um, detectives or for one of the agencies, one of the federal agencies. And some of them come in uh, with PTSD, obviously, uh, or their nervous system is jacked way up. Before we start a session, I... I lead them through a body scan meditation. 
some of the clients you can see that their shoulders are up by their ears. Some clients um, will start to cry during that, that body scan, and some say, no, I can't do this. You know, with, once I just start, because they can't be left alone in their thoughts uh, by themselves. You know, they, there always has to be something pulling them away from their thoughts. And so in that sense, we'll get up and move around. But a lot of these clients who, who come in, they cannot touch. It doesn't feel safe to touch. And so before we do that, before we touch, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly tall person. I'm 5'11", 180 pounds. And so I have a tendency, if I stand up, I can like, people can feel as if I'm looming over them. And so mm-hmm. to take that away, what did you say? I, I get that I'm six one. <laughs> so. You're six one, okay? So yeah. <laughs> you totally get it. And so I'll sit down on the floor to take that that kind of uh, intimidation um, away. And so from there, from sitting on the floor, we'll we'll talk. We'll talk about easy stuff, not not too deep around touch. Um, what's going on with them energetically or emotionally or mentally? Some people will talk about um, relationships. It, it can be a slow progression to get to the, the discussion about what kind of touch that you like. When was the last time you had somebody run their fingers up and down your arm? Um, sometimes, and again, this is, this is one of the reasons that I removed the word cuddle from it because that can be intimidating itself, uh, certain expectations, and sometimes we'll stretch. We, I will do assisted stretch or partner yoga um, to start the touching process. Sometimes we'll just hold hands or someone might lay their head in my lap, and that's, that's the extent of what they can do. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. Okay. Well, and, and every, all of this kind of stuff, especially body work, is so individualized. You know, it's, you've got to... You've got to be aware of what each person needs and can tolerate. You know, mm-hmm. what, what am I trying to say? Um, what is what's appropriate for them, and especially at the various stages of uh, working with them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, interesting. interesting. And it's really interesting that you say that about body work. I had a friend um, say, well, with massage, because they're a massage therapist, they said, well, with massage, it's different. We have to work more around boundaries than you probably do with your cuddling. And I was like, oh, actually, not so much. I have been getting massages regularly. I'm 41. My mother started taking us when we were young to get professional massages in the 90s uh, when I was, gosh, I got my first one when I was like 14 or 15 because she liked getting massages and so she would take us with her. Throughout all of my decades (laughs) of getting massages, I never had anybody ever talk to me about boundaries, about consent. Um, It was always very clinical. Where are you hurting right now? Is there anywhere sensitive? Nobody ever asked, um, you know, of course they'd say, take your clothes off as far as you're comfortable with. Um, I remember when I was probably 15 or 16, I left my bra on 
and the massage therapist came in and they said, it's okay if you want to keep your bra on, but you should probably take it off so I can really glide across your back. There was no discussion about the boundary of why did you keep it on? And, you know, let's talk about you feeling more comfortable because they want to get you in and get you out for the next person. Whereas this work, when you're doing platonic touch, you have to stop and ask that question. Uh, Well, I try to stay away from the why. Why do you do this? Because that could bring up shame. Um, But more of, you know, what are your feelings about this? Or if someone's like, I, you know, I'll get a lot of, I don't know. Okay, where do you feel it in your body? Do you notice any, any energy or anything within your body? I had one client, again, other, another military client, who I'll often offer, like on the first or second session, I'll say, why don't we start with a five-minute hug? We're just standing and hugging, and most people are comfortable hugging. Most people hug their relatives uh, for the most part. I don't want to use everybody or always, but um, we, I think we are a huggy culture. Uh, just a quick, oh, hi, how are you doing? And so that's usually a good place to start with, with some clients, but I had one client who went in, hugged, and literally threw his hands up after, oh, I don't know, maybe two seconds, and said, I can't do this. This is too much. I can't do this. And I said, okay, why don't we have a seat? Why don't you go ahead? You can sit down if you feel like. I'm going to sit down on the floor, and let's just talk. And so I try to change my body language to relax the space a bit. Again, get down on the floor. I'll start stretching. It shows if I'm relaxed and comfortable, then they can get relaxed and comfortable until they're ready to move on if they want, but they definitely don't have to. And Mm -hmm. so there is a lot of discussion about what's happening in your body right now, what, what's going on, what are your thoughts, how are you feeling, yeah, not why don't you want to hug, because that, that could bring up shame. One thing, another reason I wanted to do the show is one of the things I think that's been driven home to me working with Susan the last couple of years on this book is there are so many things like this that it seems the general public doesn't realize what so many people are struggling with. You know, like, we, so many just take for granted the ability to walk up and hug somebody, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or that, you know, walking up and touching somebody isn't an issue. But for a lot of people, it is. You know, the the ability to, to be comfortable hugging somebody, that is an issue for people. There are people that that, that is something they can't just walk up and do, you know. And right. there are very good reasons for it, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it just, what was it? There, there was this, this awesome, awesome meme that said, and I, I don't say that very often, um, <laughs> if, if we spent, you know, we spend so much time teaching, teaching people, oh, cred, I'm not going to remember and I should have saved it. Um, I have got to save somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Teaching people with, like, disabilities how to interact with other people, and if we, if we, taught the general public how to interact with people with disabilities, think how, how much better the world would be, 
you know stop yeah. stop trying to to teach the minority to interact and teach the the masses how to be more compassionate you know more empathetic that that kind of thing you know yeah turn it I around. absolutely agree with that turn it around you know um right stop stop judging stop stop being jerks you know that kind of thing right under, under you know and and that that our yeah, normal isn't everybody's normal, and be more understanding with people, kind of thing. But yeah, I, I didn't get what I was stumbling over so badly. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, just bringing awareness that that was another thing. So, in my journey, my well, I'm a perpetual student. I will be learning the rest of my life, um, especially that we as uh, in the sciences, uh, what we're learning about psychology and and neurology is just so vast as we try to create even AI. The more, they're learning so much more about how our brain works with the attempt of creating, you know, the perfect learning AI. And so that's kind of spawned this this um, this wave of uh, research around the brain and um, connections. Anyway. I wanted to be just what you said. I wanted to be educated. I wanted to meet my clients where they were and not just expect them to know what they're comfortable with. And so because of that, I took um, courses. I took some certifications to help me better understand mental health. Um, I'm actually looking for them right now, the name. So I took the Mental Health First Aid Certification which was, I think, a three-day certification, eight-hour program. Um, I'm sorry, eight hours each day in D.C. I took another applied suicide intervention skills training certification, and that right. one was, was pretty amazing. Like, it, again, I think it was a week long at the VA in D.C., um, and almost immediately after getting certified, I had learned that one, it was okay to say, are you having suicidal ideation? That's not going to trigger someone to think, you know, I wasn't, but now that you mentioned it, I think I am. You know what I mean? That, that was always what I was afraid of. But almost immediately, I was able to uh, utilize that training with one of my clients during a consultation. Um, or maybe it was a virtual. They couldn't meet me, and so we, we were on virtual, and I had to ask them. I could see it in, in their face if they were concerned if they were having suicidal ideations and they sat there and had to really think about it. I was like, okay. But, you know, another great um, certification that I took that was really the most helpful was neuro-linguistic programming, NLP certification. Um, I took a, the regular certification and then became, took the master certification and that has, has helped me extensively be able to really read people in the moment, whether we're virtual or in person, you know, uh, watch their, their body language, their eye movement, the way that the words that they use to describe the world around them or their experiences, uh, I think has helped probably the most in what I do to really showing up for my clients where they are. And then, of course, a, a mindfulness practice, being very mindful and uh, creating awareness around myself as well. Awesome. I've I've got an NLP course that that I bought. I haven't had time to do it yet, but good good to know that. Good to know that. I'll I'll move that up to 
one of my ones I'm going to do sooner rather than later. <laughs> but, you know, one of, one of the interesting things when we were working on the touch chapter that I, I had never thought about was that's the one sense that we have, you know, like hearing, uh, vision, all that kind of thing, that doesn't um, lessen as we get older. It's at its peak when we're born and at its peak when we die. I found that really interesting because you know how... It's at its peak when we're born and at its peak when we die. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because <clears throat> you know how, how some of our senses kind of develop after we're born and they kind of lessen as we get older? Mm-hmm. Our touch is not like that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm. But isn't that interesting? That yeah. is very interesting. I learned huh. I learned that conclusion when we were working on the book. But I I thought that was that was interesting. I'm like I just I'd never thought about that before. But yeah, um, I I would have thought that. Um, I guess it, it depends on where you're feeling touch, right? Because in certain areas of your body, it's more sensitive than others. Well, yeah. Um, as your hands age. Right as you as we age, our hands the skin grows thicker. Are we still able to experience touch as we did when we were younger? Uh, with you have calluses, probably that softer. But um, yeah, touch on our shoulder to touch on our face or on our lips is different. Yeah, that's very interesting. But I just I just, I just thought you might find that interesting. She she can of yeah. course give you more detail on it, but that was the the basic gist uh-huh. of it. <laughs> so. Well, as soon as the book comes out, I'll be able to read it. <laughs> That's true, too. So, <laughs> I, I might even get you a review copy. Who knows? <laughs> so, Ooh. <laughs> I do have those. So, um, of course, you will have to give me a review for that. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, how can, I don't think I included this, but how can cuddling help relationships? And oh, yeah, because yeah. that is an excellent question. Oops. That came up from a listener too. How about the same listener? Actually, how about that? Ooh. Yeah. So, touch in general, cuddling. I mean, cuddling is such a beautiful experience, uh, a beautiful feeling to share with somebody. I still cuddle with my children. So maybe not the 16-year-old. That is, whenever cuddling with teenagers, it's always on their terms when they're ready to, right? You can't make them. (laughs) Like you do maybe with a baby when you kind of hold them and love them. um, So my 16-year-old, not as much, but my 13- and 10-year-old, they still come in for, you know, we have a little uh, shorthand. We go, we usually put our hands out, our arms out, and go, huggy, and that's, that's our cue to uh, hold and love and, you know, of course, with consent, right? Um, right. My youngest is always, always wants to cuddle. He's, he leaves time in the morning before school, so we have time to cuddle on the couch and just talk. Um, but it's the same thing goes for couples, uh, for anybody you can share that experience with. You know, Dr. Betty Martin has um, really honed the three-minute game. Who was created? It was created by, I think, believe one of her colleagues. But uh, she's created this game, which uh, I do with my clients, and people can do with their partners and relationships, where you look at the wheel of consent, and there is the way that 
I, Jasmine, want to touch you, Nikki, and the way that I want you, Nikki, to touch me, Jasmine. And then it's the other direction, the way that you want me to touch you and the way that you want to touch me. And through this, using consent and negotiating and asking, Nikki, you know, if I were to say, uh, Nikki, um, I'd really like to run my hands through your hair. And you would consider, does that, is that a pleasurable experience? Um, have you experienced it before and did you like it? Do you not like your hair being touched? Um, do you want to give it a shot and see? Do you know that you don't like it and so maybe you'll offer, instead of running your hands through my hair, I'd rather you run your fingers up and down my arm, the inside of my arm, something like that. And so this is something, and we would do that for three minutes. Um, this is something that people can do with each other. And it's, it can, you can learn so much about your partner, the type of touch that they like, even giving them the opportunity to consider what kind of touch they would like. Because like I said, you know, you ask somebody, uh, you know, what kind of touch do you enjoy? I don't know. I've never been asked that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're right. We're not taught that. We're not asked that. We're just, uh, most people say, yeah, you can touch me this way because I want to be nice. And I guess I should. Right. I should let you. It, it's something that would definitely bring two partners closer together. And in fact, I have had clients who uh, are dating, and on the second or third date, they'll offer to do a cuddle session with their date um, based off of their experience with me. So using you know, rigid and flexible boundaries, using the two models of consent. I don't know if I mentioned them, but there's the ask and wait and the blanket yes. Uh, which are the two models that I use in session. And so they use that. The, also, they make the agreement, which is a cuddle, what I learned from cuddlers. Uh, if at any point you become physically, emotionally, or mentally uncomfortable, you speak up and let me know, as none of us are mind readers. So communication <laughs> is incredibly important. <laughs> and, you know, I think it, I thought that was just such a beautiful thing for my clients to take and offer to their dates. And then also removing the expectation of sex, remove getting that completely off, off the table. And let's just sit here and learn each other and learn about touch and the kind of touch that we like. And again, that goes for a married couple or two partners or whatever. You remove the expectation of sex and you make it just platonic touch, just uh, sensual touch, not even going around um, any sexual areas or you know, um, that are typically sexual areas. Right. So, yeah. Well, there's, there's so many awesome places to touch on the body, mm -hmm. even even avoiding genital areas. There's all kinds of awesome places mm -hmm. to touch. You know, so <clears throat> it's, um, well, and, and the thing is, if your partner asks you, they may come up, come up with places that you never thought about. And you can be mm -hmm. like, ooh, ooh, that could be nice. <laughs> you know, so. well, well, now I have to ask you, Nikki, what's yours, your favorite place to be touched? Where do you ask your partner or friends to touch you? Well, so that kind of depends on the mood I'm in. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that completely depends on the mood. But I, I will tell you that um, one, of, one of, of, of all the books I've written, one of the ones that has, has sold the best over the years is mm -hmm. a short little book that I wrote about kissing from head to toe. And mm. 
every place that I included in there. I, I skipped the genital areas purposely, and mm-hmm. it every, it just at lots of different places, and actually places that that a lot of people have never thought of. And cause, mm. yep, some people looked at that and they're they're laughing about places. I'm like, try it. I'm just I'm just telling you, try it. <laughs> In between the toes. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, and and there's actually instructions for um, leg and foot massages in there too. So, mm. but yeah, it's um, but like I said, I I skipped genital areas for a reason in that book. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. But uh, and and I I think it's less than like twenty pages even even with the massage stuff in there. But uh, and what's the name of the book? Kissing from head to toe. Kissing from you have to get that. Mm-hmm. And I even said you can you can rub, massage, or kiss any of these areas, mm-hmm. and you will enjoy. And I will I will actually put a link on the show page. <laughs> so. Oh, perfect. But. Yeah, it's um, lots of interest. That was very fun to write that book. <laughs> so. Yeah, I bet. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. It was, uh, but it was interesting. I, I just got the idea for it. So, Gina, that would be a lot of fun to put together. But um, mm. yeah, it sounds wonderful. But like I said, it, in just lots of lots of different spots, and I said, you know, that just let's just put that all together. Put that all together and put. The, I actually that book actually paid my mortgage quite a few months. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's I awesome. Like, I think it's like three or four dollars. So yeah. No. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, there's there's so many interesting places to to touch and massage and kiss and just yeah. Mm-hmm. But well, and and yeah. exploring exploring your partner can be a lot of fun. So, see, and they and they can they can start by by cuddling and go from there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now That's I had, I asked a friend of mine for a question, and this was not what I was expecting from this person. But but this is interesting. Mm-hmm. What about? Intimate songs, which would go very well with cuddling. Mm. Uh, intimate songs. Yeah. Could you give me an example? Well, that well that this idea was suggestions of intimate songs because I mean we all know sexy songs, but mm-hmm. intimate songs that that's uh, that's a that's a brain all of its own. Hmm. So I was thinking, you know, I mean, let's get it on. That's more sexy, but you know, <laughs> I mean, I am a mind. fan of of uh, Melody Gardeau. She is a jazz singer, uh, oh, I believe, from Montreal. She has a beautiful voice. Typically, when I'm in session with clients, I usually have spa-like music on, um, okay. so instrumental kind of sounds of water or, you know, classical or something. Um, but, uh, and usually people don't ask for anything. I give them the option to make a, you know, if they have any song requests or music okay. music uh, genres requests, then usually they're like, no, this is good, um, hearing the different sounds. And 
I, I like that kind of kind of atmospheric is what I always call it. But um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still trying to figure out what to call it because I I actually when I'm working, especially when I'm working on writing, I I usually have um, Amazon Music uh, Cool Jazz on. Actually, I have it on right now. It's just turned down while we're recording. <laughs> kind of atmospheric kind of things to to listen to too. I just I haven't found the yeah. channel yet on the, on uh, Amazon Music yet. Well, yeah. I am definitely going to look for in, uh, intimate songs. Okay, so platonic touch therapy. I like I like the name that you put because I think you kind of set up borders or boundaries with that. <laughs> which could be good and I think for some clients that's going to give them some peace of mind mm -hmm. kind of right up front which is good too yeah so tell us tell us about um, the training course that you're doing yeah so I had such a wonderful experience um, with the Cuddle Sanctuary training. Like I said, it was really beautiful. However, um, well, what I really enjoyed was the camaraderie. That was right. what I really enjoyed. But as I've, you know, grown my own practice and have started or have perpetually educating myself and learning more about, you know, holding space, um, intimacy, learning about touch and learning how to connect with people, how to create a safe space. Um, I wanted to create a really robust uh, certification. Also, the, all of the certifications out there now are cuddle certifications. And so I've had requests uh, from people wanting to get certified but don't want to get, be a cuddle certified practitioner. And just with my own experience, I've recognized that using platonic touch has been more effective in meeting people where they are and not making them swallow the word cuddle and say, well, this is, this is what you need and this is how you have to see it. You know, I want to take that association out of it so they can right. more focus on the healing aspect. So I created a 100 hours certified platonic touch practitioner course and to teach people how to provide loving acceptance, um, human connection through mutual positive touch, two-way touch. Um, this is something that I really, I think is needed um, to help all, all types of people, um, all different types of healers, more so. So like I had mentioned, it's a hybrid of both virtual, uh, live virtual sessions, um, classes, and in person. The first phase, it's broken up into three phases. Uh, the first phase is the theoretical practitioner module. And so there's about 20 modules within that phase one or that first phase uh, that will help people understand the science of touch, how to conduct a platonic touch session safely and effectively, clarity around boundaries and consent and holding space, and how to show up for uh, themselves as a practitioner and for the clients um, right. to help them conceptualize and understand what their own history of touch is so they can essentially help their client to understand what uh, is their, their understanding of touch. 
The phase two is going to be creating a viable practice uh, module. And within that, it, there's going to be 14 modules. And this is going to assist people in gaining clarity around their vision, their vision of, uh, and goals of what they want their business to be. Um, it'll cover topics such as formulas for setting fees, um, record keeping, tracking hours and expenses, setting up an office, uh, automation, marketing, branding, collaborations, um, you know, even things like this, getting on podcasts and talking about it. One thing that I've always taken or understood that I am a spokesperson for this industry. We all are. Everyone right. is doing this work. And so we need to get out there and really tell people that this is a healing modality that is accessible. Because a lot of people still don't know about professional cuddling or platonic touch. Um, you know, they just don't know. And then there's uh, phase three. And this is the experiential training module. This is the part that's in person. And it is 40 hours. There are four modules that will be taught in person um, in Maryland with um, learning about, one, themselves, right? Because it, it, providing the opportunity to put what they've learned over the virtual uh, weeks to practical situations. So I will also help people um, have sessions with, with clients uh, so they'll practice that. They'll experience that of working with other people who are doing this work, who are already you know, providing touch or providing healing, whether people are massage therapists or um, psychotherapists or coaches. They can use this to help their clients more. So, Awesome. Mm -hmm. what, we're just about out of time. You want to give your website? You can find all the information at www.tanjaywellness.com, and that's T as in Tom, A-N-G-E, wellness.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being with me today and sharing the information. There will be a replay of the show and Jasmine's information. If you go to my website, www.lovecoachjourney.com slash cuddle. I, like I said, I appreciate you being here very much. And listeners, I will be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. <laughs>